This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This is the Besotted Pride of West London podcast, and we're coming to you on a rainy evening. The winter is back. We can feel it. Two days ago, everyone was moaning about the sun. It was too hot. But now the winter is back and we feel like it's actual real football season, the kind of match that you play teams that come from the Liverpool area, the Everton area even as we're looking forward to the game on Saturday as Everton come down on Saturday afternoon, late afternoon, a 5.30 kickoff. Indeed, it's on Sky TV. It's on the television. If you want to watch it, or for you Americans, it's over probably on Peacock TV, or one of those channels that I know all about now. Like I said to you, my name's Billy Grant. I'm sitting here in the virtual joint. I've got my chums in the zone. I've got the, the Allard in the place. How are you, the Allard? I'm very well, Bill. I'm, um, I'm glad to be on here today. I'm sort of the David Ryo. I've, just been, I've been picked for my first game of the season. Um, I'm not saying Laney's Aaron Ramsdale, obviously. Um, no. I'm sure Laney will be back. Um, but um, yeah, it's good to be here and um, yeah, good to have a chinwag and a catch up. Well, it's actually good to, to like I said, the chinwag, because normally what's happened is that me and Laney wake up very early on a Thursday morning or Wednesday. Yeah, Thursday morning or, or Wednesday morning. And we just record it then, get it out of the way. And most people are struggling to kind of get on the pod at that time. But today things changed a little bit. And I just thought, actually, I've got a bit of time in the evening. And everyone's got a bit of time in the evening and we can actually have a little catch up because I haven't had a catch up with you characters for a while, all season indeed as well. So uh, and also tell you something we've got on the south coast. We've got the cog in the house. The cog, how are you? Yeah, very well, thanks. Yeah, all good. Similar rubbish weather down here. But uh, yeah, looking forward to the game on Saturday. That's right, mate. Just think back to the sunbathing that you have had over the summer and don't moan at all but anyway listen tell you something we're going to crack on because we've got loads of things that we want to talk about in this podcast as well um and i'll tell you something the first thing that we want to talk about is the well we're going to talk about the newcastle game a little bit later but out of that newcastle game came a bit of news which is something that a lot of brentford fans were really fearing one of our players who could probably described as one of our most consistent one of our best one of our greatest talents that actually never gets noticed by Mr. Gareth Southgate, Rico Henry. Uh, he had a, he had he had an injury when he went down. Everyone went, oh, that didn't look too good. He came back up. To be fair, he did stand on his feet when he got up, but 
the way he stood up wasn't looking too great and the news came that he's got a really really bad injury which is going to keep him out for the rest of the month is that right Allard? Yeah ACL isn't it and um, that's never good news it's I, I, I think when he went down that was the first sort of thought it was pretty horrible I was sitting um, with somebody who's a doctor and um, and he went oh well, that's not good that's not going to be good and 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 then you, you sort of got up and you you hoped but I think in the back of my mind I kind of I'm not at all surprised that it'll be very unlikely we'll see him play again this season I mean whether we can maybe get some fitness towards the end of the season I don't know but I, it, I'm, I'm gutted for him because it's not the first time he's going to miss a large chunk of the season and and with a knee injury as well so you know I you just have to say all the best to him, don't you, really? Yeah, definitely. And, and the thing about, I mean, obviously, Rico Henry, we bought him. We bought him injured, if you remember rightly. He had a, I think it was a shoulder injury when we bought him. And he was out for pretty much most of that season, if I remember rightly. We bought him in the in the, in the, in the, in the summer. I think it was the, I think the first game of the season when we were playing um, with, with Will Grigg against Sheffield United. I think it was that season when we bought him from Warsaw, which is quite a while ago. I think it's probably about six or seven years ago now as well. So he was injured for most of that season. He came back. But then if I remember rightly, he had these sort of kind of niggling injuries which kept him out for periods of time. And I, and I think at one time we thought, is, is Rico Henry actually ever going to be the player who is not going to be injured? And maybe the reason why we got him so cheap at the time is because he was very injury prone. But then after that, he went for for ages without getting injury. And, 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 and almost to a certain extent, we thought to ourselves, I mean, I thought to myself, I was thinking, oh, no, Rico's not been injured. But every transfer window, I'm thinking, are we going to get ourselves a backup left back? Are we going to get ourselves a backup left back? We never seemed to have kind of cracked that one. So now that he's injured, this is, is, is this kind of giving you a little bit of a worry, the cog? Yeah, massive worry. I mean, it, like you said, he's been one of our best players for some time now. He just seems to get better and better. Uh, he's unbelievable uh, as a defender, uh, but he also really <clears throat> makes the pitch big for us. He's got great pace going forward, and it did look as though his delivery was beginning to improve, probably better than ever, actually, this season. So... Yeah, terrible news. I mean, I do remember we had a period without him in the championship. And again, we had to play players out of position. I remember Mads Beck had quite a long run at left back and uh, was, was, was not really comparable with Rico. And I, and I think that's one of the problems now is that, 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 that we're having to consider, as we did once Rico went off at the weekend, bringing other players out of position. So I know Hickey has played left back, but, you know, he was looking really settled in at right back. So it's kind of, it, it's one of those uh, situations that has really quite big repercussions for, for our team. And like you said, there's no natural uh, left back. We, we've struggled with that. And you know, I remember we had Dom Thompson, who went off to Blackpool and, never really looked like he was ever going to be a proper kind of understudy and yeah we have got caught caught short there uh, and i hope that we can get through at least to january without uh really kind of feeling his loss but i fear that we will he's he's one of the few really irreplaceable players in the team i think yeah i mean and talk I still feel a bit sorry for Mads Beck being put, put left back during that last period. 
Um, unfortunately, it's the way that some of us will remember him, even though he did a reasonable job when he played as centre-back. But, but you're absolutely right. I mean, you couldn't get more opposite, could you, between Mads Beck, Sorensen and Rico? That was the most bizarre sort of feeling ever. Um, and, and we have probably got a couple of players that are, are more suited to playing there. I, ironically, it, Mbumo, and we'll maybe talk about this in a bit more detail when we get to preview in Saturday's game, but Mbumo is actually the player that has all the Rico skills. It's just the thing is, he's quite good on the right wing. So... You know, because he's left-footed and he's got the pace and he can do the covering for the defensive work. He can, you know, all of that sort of stuff. Um, but but he's our right winger. So I'm not sure that's the solution. Yeah. And, and so, I mean, talking about options there, obviously, you know, you've mentioned them. I mean, going back to Hickey, um, interestingly, you know, uh, uh, Hickey, actually, we got him from Bologna. And, I, I, and I've said this before, I'm, 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 I'm 98% sure that when Hickey played at Bologna, he actually played as a, as a left-back. Actually, he when did, he came yeah. over to us, yeah, he came over to us. He came as a right back, um, and and you know, obviously, feels comfortable as, as a right back. So I thought at the time that Brentford thought that he's going to be our cover left back, and uh, if anything goes wrong, we bring him over, and then we'll move whoever, like you know, um, you know, um, sort of kind of mads as well into maybe into the right back position or whoever else it may be, um, or it could be it could be Finn Stevens even, like you know, what I'm saying because they seem to quite like him, but I think it's a bit early for Finn Stevens. Um, the thing about it though is, uh, um, it's about working out what our not our options are, but obviously, and now you've talked about it. Now we're going to have to probably change the style of football that we play. And we're going to talk about a little bit later about Thomas Frank talking on Monday Night Football as well, and he's come out with all this tactical analysis and how we play against certain teams. But Rico Henry is a very big part of how we played against those teams, and now obviously we're going to have to change that. And with the staff, with the players that we've got, you know. Are they going to be able to do a Rico Henry? It's going to be very unlikely because he's a very unique player. So, I mean, how do you see us changing our style of football, the Elod? Well, so, so if, you, if you talk about Aaron Hickey, you're, you're right. He did play on the left um, when he was in Italy. But he's, he is, as I understand it, a natural right footer, albeit that he appears to be like... I don't think the word is ambidextrous. I think that's if you can write with both your hands. I don't think it's the same if you can kick a ball with both your feet, but let's just use that anyway. Sure, technically it's a different word. So he can, he, he, there's no reason why he can't fit in on the left, but he does have a different skill set to Rico. Rico's skill set is pace. It's the right, you know, the left-footedness. Um, it's been able to attack. It's been able to get on the outside. It's been able to provide the overlap. I don't think Aaron Hickey is going to be doing that so much as Rico. Um, and one of the real key things with Rico is... And I've already sort of mentioned it a little bit. Is um, when we have attacking when we have a corner, our corners, um, Rico's your last man back. Albeit that he's on the edge of the penalty area, we're attacking. And the reason for that is he's got so much pace he can cover counter attacks. Um, and that that's one of the areas I'm sort of quite nervous of is how we're going to cover that. Maybe that will be Brian's job because I, I remember I still remember that FA Cup um, game against Swansea away. And um, we, uh, we, we didn't have Rico. I think we had Makocha or somebody doing it. And um, we kept getting smashed on the break by Swansea. And that game was, as, as you may or may not remember. So that, Particularly that, James, James, who went off to yes, Leeds. Yes, it was. It yeah, was James, right. yes, who then went on to, I think he's, a, yeah, he's I just remembered where he is now. But um, yeah, and, and, and that's exactly it. So that, that is almost as dangerous, that, that point of our play, corners, as Rico playing as a left back in you know, normal play. I, yeah. I, I, th I think that's where we're really going to miss him. 
Yeah, and 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 again, you know, co- coming back to you know the cold viewers out there on the US tour as well was over in Atlanta. We were both there in Atlanta watching the game, and if I remember rightly, again, um, uh, um, um, what's his name? Hickey was on the left. They started him on the left against the game against Brighton. And uh, it, was, it was, I shouldn't be laughing, but it's a bit of a disaster to be quite honest with you. We looked terrible like in those first 20 minutes. And I think we had to do an emergency kind of patch up job. We thought, oh, no, we can't do this. And we kind of flipped him back over to the right and sort of kind of changed everything up. But I think maybe they were trying an experiment to see what happens if Rico is out. Let's see how Hickey's going to play, play against Brighton, you know, in the way that they, you know, they're going to be playing. They were sitting back and, uh, and, and, and squeezing up uh, and taking a lot of, uh, of, of pressure of us and trying to hit us. But, you know, um, that didn't work out too well and it, it made re- everyone really a little bit nervous, didn't it? Yeah, no, I think that's right. And, you know, he, he looked uh, a bit surprising like a fish out of water, really, considering he, he used to play there for Bologna. But uh, one possible good uh, uh, kind of outcome from this is that we'd expect I think Roslev to get a few games and I think we probably, I certainly feel he's been very unlucky to uh, not be in the first team, not get many minutes this season so far so it does open things up for him a little bit more I think if Hickey's going to switch to the left then Roslev presumably will get a run of games on the right That's right I think one other thing is that um, I think it also depends what system we play. I think if we're playing four-three-three, we might not miss him as much. But if we play when we play three-five-two, that attacking element to his game, where where he will almost he will literally join as the third attacker, you know, in a three-five-two, and you're only playing two up front. That's where we're that, that's that's where we're also particularly going to miss him. In a four-three-three, you can probably patch it up. I mean, it's still. It's not so much a patch-up job, is it? You put Hickey on the left, you could play Ayer as right back or you can play Roslev as right back. And that looks like a pretty strong back four in a 4-3-3. In a 3-5-2, do you want Roslev and Hickey as your wing-backs? Not sure that gives you enough attacking options. I think you find that you, you, you won't be as far up the pitch as quickly as, as you are currently. Agree. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, listen, we wish Rico all the best in his recovery over the season. Hopefully, we'll see him back soon. And... You know, it's even more gutting that we didn't see him in an English shirt, which he should have been this period, 100%. You know, he should have even got the World Cup, but we're not going to moan on about it because he's going to get patented and he's going to be back with us next year and he's going to go and do the business again. Moving on, talking about players who are going to be with us next year or will they be with us next year? We talk about him every week because he's now back in training. We talked about it last week with Laney about how Ivan Tony is back in training now with the bees and he's looking good. A uh, little story pops up today again and around the press about how now Arsenal and Chelsea are sniffing around 8 million, 8, 80 million, 8 million, they love him for 8 million, 80 million pound Ivan Tony. Um, to me, I mean, I've, I've heard through my sources elsewhere, not, you know, let me go sources all over the gaff. And this is the, this is my Surrey sources, you know, the sources out there in the country saying that Chelsea are 100% sniffing around the old Ivan Tony, but also Arsenal sniffing around him. And it doesn't surprise me because Arsenal, are the kind of team that basically they wait kind of until the price gets really high and then they just go and buy you know <laughs> they don't do any investing well they do a little bit of investing here and there but in general they go oh all right yeah he looks quite good now yeah he scored lots of goals in the premier league you go and buy him so it does not surprise me at all and like i said to you uh also from our sources who have been talking about that we've heard about that as well and also you know we've got a few journos out there that have been talking about this so it, there's no smoke without fire as they say the allard isn't it 
Yeah, I mean, Chelsea, Chelsea have been spectacularly good at ruining number nines, haven't they, in the last seven or eight years? I mean, Giroud, they turned him into an ineffective player. Um, Lukaku, they turned him into an ineffective. <laughs> so, you know, I, you, you do wonder about him going to Chelsea. Um, and Arsenal pretty much sort of played without one it to some extent quite a bit I mean I know I, I know they've got Jesus and, and Ketier but um, yeah it it uh, to be honest I, I, I think I, I'm sort of on Laney's page I think I think with Ivan you, it feels like he's ready to go he's, he's changed his his management team hasn't he so that feels like he's he's trying to get a trying to get a move and um and if you, if that if that's the way it's going, then let's get as much money as we can for him. I'm not that fucked yeah. where he goes. And 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 the question is right because this Arsenal, the Chelsea thing is a little bit not confusing because of course they've got something. Well, actually they've got rid of a few a few players, but they still got so many players over there. You can't kind of see the ins and outs because it's just like literally it's like pick and mix. You know what I'm saying like you know with so many players, but Arsenal probably a little bit more focused. If if he were to go to Arsenal. Um, there might be a possibility of some players maybe coming back our way, don't you think? Um, it, yeah, I mean, it, 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 there's always some sense in that. If there's anyone you fancy, I don't think you want to be lumbered with anybody you don't fancy. You know, you don't fancy just to get the price, just so they can get the price down. I think you have to be really careful on that and make sure that you've got a target or some targets at the club that are a tar- genuine target. It's not just somebody that you go, oh, well, I suppose we could take him because, you know, instead of the 10 million or whatever that would come off the price. Um, depending on who it is, so yeah, there, there's a few Arsenal players that would could probably fit in, you know, quite nicely at Brentford. Like who? Um, not a number nine. Well, uh, who do they talk about? They talk. I see talk about somebody like Emil Smith Rowe, who's a little bit out of favour. Um, we've got quite a few of those types of players. He's probably not, you know, something we're desperately in need of. Um, you know, I, I I don't know too much about their squad. Otherwise, any, anyone? Any other suggestions? Eddie, Eddie yeah. and Ketia, maybe. Yeah, you know? I mean, young. Yeah, uh, I'm not sure. I don't. Would they? I, I don't know if that would happen. I mean, I, that feels like a. I, I think both of those are almost a step too far. Personally, um, I think they've still probably got some value at Arsenal. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I mean, now, again, we're just throwing it. Listen, we're probably getting yeah. rather, I, rather I, ahead of ourselves I here. Don't, aren't I, we? I, I, I know I'm not joining in the game here, and, um, but, you know, but I'm just being realistic. I, I think they've both probably got some time at Arsenal, and unless there's a reason Arsenal want to move them on. And uh, the cog? Yeah, I agree. I mean, uh, Smith Rowe would be really, really good addition to our squad, I think. But I, I think the Allard's probably right. Is the the reason I, I think that he there might be something there is that unlike Niketia, he he just doesn't seem to get any meaningful game time at the moment. And, and I know he's had a few injuries, but that that he might see the sense in it. And I suppose ultimately Arsenal would, would uh, call the shots here. But he we would be able to guarantee him first team football. And and I and I wonder whether you know we, we've had a bit of a problem position with that third midfielder uh you know he could probably give us something different there in the role that josh has played dan's guards played yeah now it's a different type of player of course but that third midfielder is uh you know it, it it's never been properly filled by someone who's obviously in the first 11 you know we've got thomas the tank as well but there's a yeah, to me that would be uh, a real coup 
it, but as the Allard says, it, 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 I suspect it may not be very likely to happen. It, 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 yeah, it would be a coup. I, I think he probably fits more on the left wing, doesn't he? He's, he's, there's more of the, of the sort of a, an upgrade on KLP, maybe. Um, I, 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 to be honest, look, if, if there's a player you want at a club and they, and they desperately want your player, you just, you, you just play hardball, don't you, I suppose? Um, and, and say that's part of the deal or, or, or no deal and you can go to, to, to whatever I, it, yeah he's it would be I, I, I would take either of those two quite happily how yeah. realistic it is um, let's yeah. say it's, let's say listen, it's listen, don't worry about the realism podcast. mate let's just let's, let's, just, play, yeah, yeah, exactly. let's play fantasy football podcast, let's play fantasy football fantasy football yeah, that's what it is yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah exactly let's do that I'm trying to think of who else I mean Hazes hasn't but he's been injured um, yeah. yeah so but, but playing fantasy football they're both young and they're both the sort of players that we that we would potentially try and sign um, from other clubs in different situations if you know what I mean they've both yeah. got loads of value they're both two transfers away from being max value. So, you, you know, you get them in, you make them better, you sell them on. Brilliant. I have to admit, I mean, Nketiah was at Leeds and uh, in the Bielsa team and Bielsa just refused to play him. And we were both in the championship at the time. I was thinking, God, give him to us. We'll, we'll have him. You know what I'm saying? It's one of those ones where, you know, and he was at that stage there. So he's got a couple of levels up from there. So interesting player, most definitely as well so and and, and the cog i heard you talking about thomas the tank what about thomas the frank as well because he was on a uh, monday night football on sky the other day and he was chatting about brentford and it's interesting because all of a sudden the brentford loving has come in again the thomas frank loving it's interesting like i said to you we've gone full circle where everyone used to hate us no one wanted to talk about us like you know we were so kind of just n- n- nothing entity and all of a sudden now everyone's they, they're loving us and getting our managers in and he's chatting away and they're, they're saying how brilliant and how intelligent he is and how tactically aware we are and uh, and, and, and Tom, I mean Thomas went on there and he, and he did a good job because it was almost like you're sitting there watching thinking is, is this like the PR machine is is Thomas selling himself to to one of the top six to get a job or maybe someone in Europe or or is he actually kind of just selling Brentford to the world to say look I'm a really good manager. Do you want to come and play for me? We know we, we're going to go and we're going into the window hard in, 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 in January, you know, because we're, we're going to have 80 million most probably. You know what I'm saying it's just like, what was that all about? But he went out there and he did a really good job in sort of kind of showing what a clever club we are. I'm not saying it like, you know, but it was true. It was, it was a good little piece, wasn't it? The Allard. It was really, really good. And um, I, I was sort of, I, Pairing him with Carragher, I was a little bit nervous about, but I, I'll be honest, Carragher really did his homework, um, as did Sky, obviously. I'm sure it's not Carragher sitting there, you know, making up all these charts that they bought up. And, no, and that no and it's Statman. But, it's a Brentford Statman because we've got, we've got one of our own, actually, at Sky that does all the stats, doesn't yeah. he? And, and, and they did a great job, you know. They, they, and, and Carragher was really well briefed. Um, I, I, thought it was, I thought it was a really, really good, fascinating hour or so um, away from the game. Which um, which was interest, which is kind of interesting as well. But but I yeah, there were loads of things to say about it. I thought Thomas spoke really really well. I don't think he gave too much away, but he said plenty of stuff that people would have found interesting. I think most of what he said, all the other Premier League game, all the other Premier League teams, if they got any sense, would would realistically know. Um, but probably the average fan wouldn't. So I, I thought it was really, really, you know, a great advert for Thomas, a great advert for the club, maybe too good an advert for Thomas. Um, I, I, he's, definitely got a, he's definitely got a future in being a TV pundit, hasn't he? 
Yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, seriously, you know, he'd be a great TV pundit from everything yeah. I saw on that. So he can yeah. go and do that if he wants. If you don't want the stress of managing a football club in his yeah. sort of later years, I thought. I thought it was, yeah. I, I, I really enjoyed it. That's good. Yeah. I mean, I, I didn't get. I didn't get to see it. But uh, first of all, I want to say, yeah. Sorry, it was a. Uh, Frank the Tank, not Thomas the Tank. Uh, <laughs> as, as a midfield option. That's fine. That's fine, mate. Transfer windows come, you can buy whoever you want. Because yeah. you don't, you, you've got nothing to worry about. Finn Stevens is on loan to Oxford and Billy's got him played as left back. <laughs> no, but I said right back. I said, I said right we could back, bring him whatever. in at right yeah, back, whatever. mate. But anyway, he's still on loan. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But, the, but I mean, I think if it does sound as though he was uh, again not closing down any discussion about Ivan Tony and. and that that feels to me uh, that it's fairly clear now that Tony's heading off sooner rather than later. I, I the, and and I think it's very good news that we've now got two clubs with lots of money bidding for it or or beginning to jostle for position. The other club that I think desperately needs someone like him is Man United, and I wouldn't be de- really surprised if uh, if they joined in between now and January as well. But that could really lead, even if it's just Arsenal and Chelsea, could lead to us getting a really good return for him. And I think we paid, what, five million for him? It, it's turning into a bit of a, like, Caicedo kind of situation, isn't it? Where we make massive profit on, on one player, having had two or three years of really good service from him. Yeah. And, and it looks like we got 40 million in the bin from the last transfer window that we never ended up spending. Yeah. Yeah. So does that mean that we're going to spend in this next window, like in uh, in, the, in the window to come, we're going to spend 130 million? Is that right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, we're going to sign all <laughs> sorts of all sorts of chaos and nonsense. We're going to be like we're going to become Nottingham Forest, and we're going That's to right. sign right. we're going to sign 26 players. Yeah, Nottingham Forest meets Chelsea. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's right. So anyway, just finally, also we were talking about Raya, who is actually playing at this very moment in time in the Champions League. Question mark, is this the first Brentford player to play in the Champions League? I, I don't know the answer to that because obviously we haven't done the research because we weren't expecting it to happen before the game came on. But yeah, uh, David Ray is playing the Champions League uh, tonight for Arsenal. And uh, good, listen, fair play to him. Um, but I think what's more interesting point is obviously everyone was talking about David Raya being, you know, on the bench for... Ramsdale, or not everyone was, but people are talking about that. Everyone was talking about David Raya and this loan fee that we've got, you know, and are we going to get our money for him? As we said from day one, there's absolutely no worries about it. David Raya is not coming back to our club. David Raya is going to be at Arsenal. He's going to be the Arsenal number one keeper. And I think that Arteta has actually played his, 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 little, his little chess game already. He's just gone. And all of a sudden you've got the king. The, the pawn is already at the top of the pitch. You know what I'm saying? Pitch, yeah. It's on the top of the board and it's already there. You know, I thought it might have been a slower process where he might have edged out Ramsdale. But this is, he's gone straight for the juggler. He just thought, listen, I like the way that you play. You're the, that's the style of football that I want. We talked about this f- forever in the podcast. And, and Raya is there. He is the Arsenal number one, isn't he? Yeah, I, I, I think so. It, it's happened quicker than I thought. I rather thought that what would happen is is that he would split them between the league and maybe the Champions League. Um, but it, it seems already that... I mean, I know, I know Arteta is sort of talking about different styles of keepers for different games, and maybe that plays out to some extent. But I think, you know what, he's, he's thrown Rare in. He's got a safety net, hasn't he? Because if for some reason Rare doesn't settle and that, you know, and there are, he can just go back to Ramsdale and then he's no worse off than he was last season. 
Um, but but he's definitely. I, I I think Arteta just wanted to do something different with his keeper. There was a very telling thing on the. Um, you know, in Ramsdale um, did a press release over the summer. And he talks about lots of things, but 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 in the foot the, the football element of it, he talked about how. Arteta was telling him he needed to go further up the pitch, he needed to go further up the pitch, and how nervous that originally sort of made him feel. And I think that tells you a lot about why Arteta wants David Raya there. That's right. I mean, I think Ramsdale said, uh, but I'm on the halfway line, Gav. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. <laughs> he wants me to go even further and I'm on the halfway line. It's like, yes, he does. <laughs> That's what you do when you're a sweeper keeper. You know? I, but anyway. I, I, th- I think the other uh, advantage that Raya has over... Uh, Ramsdale is his handling as well, you know, and I think we'll probably come on to talk about Flecken against uh, Newcastle, but the uh, Raya's handling just got better and better uh, throughout his time with us, and uh, I, I think that's a point of difference as well with Ramsdale, who who loves a punch and uh, doesn't always dominate his area as much as Raya, particularly for a quite small keeper, was is capable of doing. Yeah, yeah. Lots of rum punch from what I can hear. But anyway, but we will talk about that a little bit later. But listen, we're going to go and cast our minds back to the weekend when Brentford and a load of fans went very far, almost to Scotland. They went up to Newcastle on Saturday evening. The times had switched, which had annoyed a lot of people, including myself and Lainey, who are due to go up to Newcastle for the weekend. But we had to change our plans. But a lot of people went up there. Fair play to you. And you watched the bees go down 1-0 to the Geordies. We're going to come back and we're going to talk about Newcastle. Newcastle 1, Brentford 0. Slightly frustrating result, I would say. Uh, and the reason why I say that is that we actually started off that game pretty well. We looked quite good. I thought we looked very good and Newcastle didn't really look in the game. And we had a number of chances that we could have scored. Were they clear-cut chances? Maybe not, but they were still, you know, we were, we were, we were, we were, we were creating, we, 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 we had the ball and we were creating play and we looked like, tell you something, all we needed to do is get one goal away and we'll be well and truly away. I actually thought that we we're going to get three points up at Newcastle for the first time since 1948, I think it is, which is a long time. Um, but it wasn't to happen. It was really unlucky and they came back in the game. There's, We'll talk about the game in a minute. We'll listen to the fans in a bit as well. But there's a bit of VIR action. There's a bit of penalty action. There's a bit of fluffing going on. There's all sorts. Disappointing result, wasn't it, the Allard? Yeah, I, th- I, I agree with you. I think you could look at the XG and even if you take the penalty out, Newcastle a bit ahead of us, not massively. Um, I don't think the XG in, in that case tells the story of the game. Um, there'll probably be someone like Ali Malali shouting at the at the speakers or at our headphones with me saying that. But but it's it for, for me what we did is we created we created these opportunities in the first 20 minutes. Um, we pulled the ball back to the penalty spot a couple of times. Nobody there. We we laid a couple of crosses in. Nobody there. Um, not big crosses, but pullbacks and stuff like that. And then there was that awesome moment um, where Wiesa could have. Where if we suggest when he wins the ball and Mbumo's on his way and Mbumo's still in his own half and, and literally we just needs to punt the ball 20 yards looping, looping over the top and Mbumo's through um, and, and, and they were the bits that told me that we were actually bossing that game for the first 20, 25, maybe 30 minutes and Newcastle came back into it and it was, and it was a lot more even and, um, but yeah, I, I, I actually thought before the game this was our chance to get something at Newcastle um, with them still trying to sort of, you know, get themselves going this season. 
Um, and for the first 20 minutes, I, the game played out as I was really hoping it would. As I was really hoping it would. And then it seemed Newcastle just seemed to sort of, you know, just seemed to get it together a bit more. Maybe we ran we ran out of legs a bit. We worked bloody hard for the first half an hour for sure. Yeah, I mean, and, and talking about MXG, one point four four for Newcastle to zero point five for Brentford. But you have to remember there was a penalty involved, which we'll talk about maybe a little bit later. Which means that it was probably like I said, zero point six to zero point five. So we created sort of the, roughly the same amount of big chance opportunities. Um, they didn't score theirs, we didn't score ours, but they scored the penalty, which it came. Like I said to you, we'll talk about it a little bit later. Disappointing the cog. Yeah, I, th- I thought we uh, we deserved a point from that game. I think the Allard's right on two counts. One is that this was our chance. They, they've been out of form. They'd lost their last three. Uh, and, uh, you know, they may have had an eye on their first uh, Champions League game for 20 years uh, on uh, on Tuesday. So... We and secondly, yeah, I agree. We were on top for the first half hour. We moved the ball really nicely. I thought at times there, we're getting in behind them. There was that chance, half chance, I suppose, that Hickey had when he was played in through some really nice football, and the press was as good as I've seen, particularly in an away game from us. For we, we were pressing like madmen, and they could, really couldn't cope with us for that time. And they then gradually got control. Uh, so I would have thought a draw would have been a fair result. We didn't deserve to come away with nothing. We, we've uh, come away with a point, having played a lot worse before, I thought. Here's something. I mean, we've talked about the game. Let's go back up to Newcastle to hear what the fans had to say immediately after that game. Actually, we know we're not going up to Newcastle. What am I talking about? We ain't going up to Newcastle. We're going back down to London. I'm so used to doing it, like going up to Newcastle. But we're going down to London because myself, Laney, Sav and the Dutchman, we actually went to the Globe to watch the game, which is a really weird experience, actually, because I'm so used to going to the match. But we had to go down there, went down the Globe. We saw the game. It was, it was really busy as well. So you should definitely check it out if you want to get to the game. I saw people getting off the bus. I was thinking, where are they going? The Brentford caps on, bang, they went inside the Globe. So it was actually quite busy, which is all good. A sort of good little vibe. Watch the game there. But like I said to you, we spoke to the fans after the match in the Globe about the Newcastle game. Very disappointing. I thought we were very good, uh, especially first half. We were really taking it to them. We created some really good chances. Um, I think there was a couple of the whistle was like right on the end of. We should have done better. I think uh, maybe maybe Tony's little bit of extra class might have uh, got us that well, at least one of those. We had a lot of that game, and I thought we we, we played really well. I'm very disappointed. Uh, I think Newcastle are becoming one of those teams that I'm beginning to really dislike. Uh, not because it's Newcastle, but because it's Eddie Howe, I think. Oh, it's a cracking performance, I thought. We turned up, we had chances in the first half. Wissa should have buried that, shouldn't he, in the first half. I mean, before the game, people are writing us off, saying we're going to beat 2-3-4. That game, anyone around the country who watched that game today can see we didn't deserve to lose. We deserved the result, at least the point. most important thing is behind this is the consistency. I think the consistency is there every game that we've played so far. And that bodes well for the rest of the season. If we play like that for the rest of the season, we'll be fine. I've said to my friend tonight, I'm not worried about relegation. Last year and the year before, as a Brentford fan being in the Premier League, you're looking over your shoulder. I'm quite com- comfortable and calm without Ivan Tony. even. If we put in performances like that every week, we'll be fine. Very disappointed. I think Newcastle today were very fortunate. The penalty were a bit dubious. 
an overall performance by a Brentford uh, club who are playing excellent football within a top league deserved really to be truly to win this game today we missed a few chances good chances just need that final uh, touch and we would be well up to the top five to be fair if you if you put your leg out you're giving the referee something to take a look at but I didn't think there was much in the penalty. I've, I've already seen Shearer's tweeted to say he didn't think there was much in it either. On the whole, I thought we were pretty solid. I think we're missing some of the players in midfield that add a little bit more creativity. But look, Newcastle are a top, top team. Great defensively. We found them difficult to break down. But away from home, to be honest, I think if you, if you looked at it on a piece of paper, you'd have thought that they might batter us. And we gave it a real go today. So maybe just missing the cutting edge but there's not much in it Neil Malpay excited for his debut when he came on big cheer in the pub here in the Globe here today as well no he didn't make a, an impact on the game Sharda showed a lot more when he came on but we're going to have to give him a chance to get up and running I think I think probably playing the long ball into him isn't the greatest idea in the world either he's not the tallest guy but look if you give him some time to get sharp I think he's going to get the crowd going at home and let's see if we can get behind him and, and turn him into a player I'm really really hacked off you know we, we didn't deserve to lose that we, we got we should have got something out of that um, you know and I'm, I'm going to get on my high, high horse again and say that with Ivan Tony we do get something out of that we had a couple of chances that fell to Wiesa one in the first half, one in the second half. The header in the second half, Tony would have scored from. The one in the first half, where Wiesa didn't get his foot on, Tony would have scored from. You know, we're 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 missing our our best player, and you know, and I'm sure there's people listening to this now. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one of a kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Picture the scene. All of your mates around, you've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Partner this with your team playing champagne football. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. There's nothing quite like a McDelivery. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. I'm going, yeah, but, you know, we're, you know we know that, you know, he, he can't play and we, we've got to cope with that. But, you know, you can't take a £100 million player out of our team and it not cost us. And it cost us today. Flicking in goal. <laughs> <laughs> he, was, he was OK. He was, I, I think that he made a couple of mistakes, unfortunately. Um, he has played, I think, quite well the last couple of games. And it, he yeah, he, was, he did fleck him well, yeah. <laughs> so there you go. There's the fans chatting about the game. All the fans except the Dutchman, which is quite bad. Because I completely forgot to record the Dutch video sitting right beside me. And like I said to you, I'm not used to doing this. I've been away for so long. I'm like, I'm like what's this microphone thing? What do you, this button that you press? So who are these people? Who am I talking to? So yes, the Dutch, I'm really sorry I fluffed it because I know that you had a lot of things that you wanted to say. You had a bit of ranting that you wanted to do. But unfortunately, I cut you out. You know, I was, you were... I- I was wondering he was where he was because I knew he was at the Globe <laughs> and when I listened to it I was thinking well he hasn't recorded the Dutch maybe maybe just quickly had to get the bus or something but I'm, I'm, I'm really disappointed now I'm going to have to find out exactly what he had to say that's right old age is seeping in with the B here like you know but you know just coming back to like I said coming back to that game like I said to you 
Uh, missing opportunities. You know, every time we come to that game, I know we keep mentioning Ivan Tony. There's the argument to say, if Ivan Tony was playing, do you think that we would have got the chances? Do you think we would have taken the chances better? Would we got that header in? Would we got? Would we have controlled the ball better? It's it's a bit of a non-question, isn't it? Yeah, I, I, I basically, if Ivan Tony's playing, the whole game plays out differently. Is is my is my sort of thinking about it? I, yeah, I, I, I understand people's frustrations, and I can understand why they would say that, but. But if he's playing instead of Wieser, it's a different game, literally from the from the first time he touches the ball, because we play differently. And and yeah, it's, it is valid to say that he would potentially score some of Wieser's chances. Um, although, to be honest, I don't think Wieser had any massive chances. I'm not sure it would have made having Ivan there at that point much difference. So yeah, it's a nice thing to talk about. But but being honest, the game plays out completely differently. Okay, so I mean, I'm, I, I, the reason why I mentioned Ivan Tony is that obviously he's a striker playing up front. So we actually brought a striker in who's coming almost as a bit of a sort of off the bench striker, maybe just to do something because we've got Ivan Tony missing. Neil Malpay made his debut up at Newcastle, and I have to say, this is just me personally. I actually didn't even know he was on the pitch. The, the cog. How about yourself? Yeah, I mean, I think to be honest, it was one of those situations where we. we the, the the formation kind of took a bit of a backseat and I think uh, Thomas Frank was just trying to throw on all his attacking kind of assets. So it was a bit shapeless by the time, you know, for, for Mopé's return. Uh, yeah, he didn't do much, but then there were several other players probably in his space anyway. Yeah, I, I, I agree. There's a brilliant moment on Monday Night Football where... Um... Carragher talks about the difference between us playing 4-3-3 and 3-5-2. And he says, oh, and when you play, you know, three at the back, then you play two in midfield and Thomas goes, no, 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 Jamie. We always play three in midfield, always. Well, we didn't for the last 20 minutes against Newcastle. I'll I'll give you that for sure. Because we we, we sort of went into this 3-4-3 thing. We had Onyeka, who took a bit of stick from some people. But to be fair, he was the one running around in midfield, literally on his own, trying to chase everything down. Um, it was a, it, and, and, and then Mopé is playing through the middle, but the ball's going wide, and I don't think that suited Mopé, to be honest. Um, we're going to find out a lot more about Mopé in the next few weeks, I'm sure, because he's going to get his opportunities playing in a, in, in a game with us, normal formation, and for longer than the, than the hectic last 20 minutes against Newcastle. Not that I'm criticising it, because I actually thought we took it to Newcastle for those 20 minutes, and they could have ripped us apart, and they didn't, because we, you know, we managed to def- at least the four, maybe three players that were tasked with doing some defending did a really good job still. And we did manage to sort of, you know, take it to Newcastle for the last 20 minutes. So, you know, fair play and all. Yeah. yeah. And, and, and I just, just slight digress as well, talking about the master as well. Of course, I was back in the Panthers action, but Barnet Panthers action on, on Saturday as well. And we did the old, we were, we were two, two, two goals down with 20 minutes to go and we just took off a defender went three at the back and we went three four three scored two goals including one 90th plus fourth minute goal as well so like i said to you sometimes when needs must you just you just got to do it you just got to go potty for it don't you like i'm saying as i say as, as thomas knows but anyway and and and, and, and that's the joy of, of of watching thomas frank's football teams is that he goes potty for it i don't remember everything doing that against arsenal um, on Saturday, and we'll come to Everton later. Yeah, that's right. That's right. So, listen, um, Newcastle game disappointing. Didn't get the points, but we need to move on from that because we've got um, JB. And JB 
has got some facts. He always gives you some facts and some funk to cheer you up, especially after you don't get three points at places like Newcastle when you think that you're going to get them. Let's go over to JB and let's have a little listen to his facts and his funk. Jonathan Virgil here again. We've made the 550 mile round trip from Brentford to Newcastle nine times in our history, seven in the league and two in cups. All we've registered is a single win and just one draw. Twice our keepers have let in five goals, David Rea last season and Graham Benstead in 1993. We've never had a clean sheet, but Mark Flecken did at least match fellow keeper Joe Crozier's best performance from 1947 by only letting in a single goal. Ironically, that's also the only other game where we failed to score there, as it too ended 1-0. Ivan Tony is now halfway through his suspension and back in training. He missed five matches last season, and five so far this. Newcastle was the first game in which we failed to score in any of those ten. On Saturday, Premier League referees showed a total of 44 yellow cards, which was a new record for a single day breaking the one set 25 years ago in 1998. Unfortunately, we received five of these, which is more than doubled our season's total, as we only had four from our opening four games. It equaled the most we've received in a Premier League game, matching the five at Norwich in our first Premier League season. Back in season 1992-93, we had our brief stay in the equivalent of the Championship. Our home game with Kevin Keegan's Newcastle in October was our first match to be shown live on terrestrial television when ITV broadcast our 2-1 defeat in two of their regions, London Weekend Television and Time Tees. It was estimated that over 1 million people watched. Meanwhile, a match in the first Premier League season was being shown by Sky Sports, which ended in a 1-0 home win. It transpired that the Brentford-Newcastle game had doubled the viewers of the Sky match at Oldham versus Saturday's visitors, Everton. Mr. JB with some facts and some funk and tell you where they, there's one place that they like a bit of funk actually. Well, the last time I was up there, actually it was a Eurovision. So I don't suppose Eurovision was that funky, but up in Liverpool, Everton fans coming down on Saturday to go and check out the bees. We're going to talk about the Everton game right now because Everton, they're in a bit of a pickle. And I'll tell you something before we even say anything about it, because we could talk about Everton, but I'd much rather go over to find out the real deal and speak to Connor Williams from the Toffee Blues podcast to find out exactly what's going down with Everton. Hi, my name's Connor Williams from the Toffee Blues YouTube and podcast channel. Um, I do a lot of videos on there, mainly the news, uh, tactical reviews, um, tactical previews and reviews, looking at the Everton game in depth the tactics used the stats around it um and i also do um opposition previews and appear on opposition fans channels like this um i think this is my third or fourth time now on um on this channel um so absolute pleasure to be on once again uh, and thank you for having me back on billy um yeah so last season for everton wasn't a good one uh just just 
finishing above the relegation zone on the final day, Decore's goal against Bournemouth. I think we're lucky that Bournemouth had already guaranteed their safety. I think if they had something to play for, we could have been in a bit more trouble. They were sort of on the beach already. Um, they still gave us a good game, but I think if they needed to survive, it was, you know, between the two of us, they'd have given us a better game. And, you know, potentially could have the mentality to beat us. Um, luckily, we managed to get that all-important goal uh, that kept us up. Marks out of 10, it's definitely a 2. The only way it could be 1 is if we'd gone down. Um, it's just, um, yeah, a 1. When you think three years ago we had Carlo Angelotti managing us, we were trying to push for Europe, and now we finished relegation just above the relegation in a relegation battle for two seasons on the trot. Looks to be off third this season. Um I mean, from the outside looking in, you must wonder where it all went wrong. For us Everton fans, we sort of know where it went wrong. Um, so, yeah, this season, though, um, the games that we've, we are in, I'm not happy because we've only got one point out of, like, five games, which isn't brilliant. But um, I don't think we're as bad as the table looks. When you look at the stats for the games, we statistically were better than Fulham, statistically better than Wolves statistically better than Sheffield United. Villa and Arsenal absolutely deserve to win and thrash us. Arsenal should have probably scored more than one. We were just very good at defending that day. Um, and we have had a squad. We haven't had a proper squad. We've been playing James Garner as centre mid at right mid up until now. Um, I think now Deitch is finally getting his, his players back uh, there's at least a player one player for every position now we've got a striker we've got Calvert-Lewin so we've got two which means I think Deitch will move to his 4-4-2 eventually uh, with Deitch I am happy I think fans Everton fans are going for his blood a little bit at the minute uh, but that's because we're a reactionary fan base and the fans uh, uh, are emotional but with emotion comes reactionary responses Um I think when you look at it, it's the that Arsenal game was the first time I think he had every player in the position they're meant to be in. So we had a right midfielder, we had a left midfielder, we had three centre mids and a striker, a good striker, not Neil Moipai, um, who I'll get on to in a bit. But um, yeah, so I think that was the first game. And against the team that finished second, looked to be trying to go for second again. I don't think that's any small feat to only get beat 1-0. Attacking-wise, it wasn't good, no. But um it's Arsenal and I think our fans need to be a bit more uh, realistic. If we sack Deitch today, I, I don't know who comes in. Um, our fans believe it's Potter, Conte, some said Conte. I, I don't see any of them. I, I see it being a Dean Smith or a Duncan Ferguson type thing. Um, so I'd stick with Deitch. Um, as for the actual squad itself, I am comfortable with it. I think now the players are back. I think it's really promising. Um, I hope we move towards Deitch's 4-4-2 because he's had his best periods with that. And I think we've got the squad for it now. I think Harrison is a fantastic um, addition to the squad on loan. Same with Danjuma. Um, both really good wingers. Um, and Danjuma can play off the striker as well, which is brilliant. Adds a bit of versatility there. Um, Ashley Young as well. Played a, lot of, uh, played a lot of the games so far. He is 38 and I don't think he's the... You know, he's not who I'd pick to have played right slash left back, but he's a good utility player um, for now. 
and the new signing Beto alongside Calvert-Lewin. I think once we see that 4-4-2, that's going to be a really nice partnership between those two. They sort of play to each other's strengths. Beto's good at running in behind and dribbling. Calvert-Lewin's better at holding up the play, playing the flick-ons. It's an exciting um, prospect to see those two. Um, and obviously, with Beto coming in, it meant Neil Moypai left us, uh, which was a big Brentford favourite. I know he did really well for Brentford. Um, you know, um, and I know you sold him for quite a decent profit to Brighton. Um, in terms of Moipai, I mean, he, he's a phenomenon because he gets... It's the same story as when he was at Brighton. Um, he'd get in really great positions, but he just couldn't finish them. Uh, his XG is really, really high, and he does well to get in these positions. Like, sometimes it's just him right in front of the goal and it's really well like that can't be discredited the ability to find those positions uh for a striker but he just can't finish them so it sort of then makes you think what was the point um his xg's normally high and his goals are normally low which i know was a problem at brighton as well uh you know last year when he was at no two years ago when he was at brighton um, I think a lot of people were sort of saying the same thing uh, when Brighton were, you know, the XG kings. They were going, if they had a decent striker, they'd be higher in the table. And their striker was Moy Pie. We bought him off that review. Um, and last year, if he finished a couple more of his chances, I think we'd have been higher up the table. Not massively, but we'd have been a little bit higher. So, yeah. Strange, I mean, he's gone out on loan now, I hope it works out for him, but I think um, in terms of Everton, his career's probably done here. Um, yeah, I think it's probably the end of Neil Moypai at Everton. Um, I think he's probably best uh, potentially going back to the Championship. Um, I think he could do a job there for a couple of teams. Um, I'm not writing him off completely, but yeah. Um, as for Brentford coming up, uh, the last couple of games have been um it's been a bit here and there since Brentford have joined the Premier League. Obviously two thousand one they won the first game, then we won four one, uh then it was like three two to Brentford, then one all, then one nil to us last season. Uh there's the two last season, the one all and the one nil at home. So it's been, you know, a fairly good get like couple of games. You know, the head to heads is quite um quite fair. The last game, the last two games, the first one last season was a one-all, um, one-all draw away from home for us, so at home for Brentford, um, and it was a good game. Anthony Gordon getting our goal, um, and then I think it was Yanelt for Hughes. You could argue you, Brentford should have won that game at two point one five xG. I remember the game; we got absolutely peppered. Um, you could argue Brentford probably should have won that, especially when I believe it was Frank Lampard as manager. So, yeah, and then obviously the one at Goodison Park, 1-0, Dwight McNeil goal. Uh, this was under, I think this was in the mix of the Sean Dyche first couple of games. And once we got that goal, he just made us tough to beat. Um, you know, again, Brentford absolutely dominated us with chances and possession. <clears throat> but one thing Sean Dyche is good at, it's, you know, blocking people out. Um, so, yeah, fantastic uh, for us. Um which players from Brentford I'm concerned about? There are a couple there that concern me. Um, obviously, Ivan Tony would be one if he didn't have his ban. Um, but even without him, I think there's still some very good players in your squad. Um, Brian Mbambu, um, he's very, very good. Wissa, a great player as well. 
Um, fantastic two front men. But um, it's actually Rico Henry that worries me the most. I think he's got an incredibly good cross. We're going to have to be really careful of it. Uh, he's a fantastic player. One that um, I'd I'd love to have back. Um, you know, I'd, I'd love to have him at Everton, sorry. Um, <clears throat> I think he'd be a fantastic addition to us. Um, one of the players that doesn't... Um, that I'm not worried about is Neil Moypai. Um, he is one that I am not stressing about, uh, which which only means one thing: he's guaranteed to get a goal against us. Um, but yeah, I just I think our centre backs are a bit too um, physical for him, Tarkowski and Bramthwaite. But it'll be interesting to see him um, if he can play it because we're his parent club. I'm not too sure if there's a if there's a clause in his contract or not. Um, but if he plays, then it'll be interesting to see how he does against us. Um, I think I think the game itself, though, is going to be very touch and go. I think it's going to be like the last one at Goodison that we had. Obviously, this is away, but it'll be like the last time we've played where it's like whoever gets a goal first will win. If we can get a goal against us, I think Deitch will try and keep it, you know, shut up shop, try and keep it and get the win. If you get a goal, I can see us then happen to come out open up a bit more and potentially get one back but ultimately the more you come out the more you run the risk of being hurt yourselves so yeah um, my score prediction for the game I'm gonna say one all I think it's gonna be a really tough game I know we need the win but um, I like Brentford I think they're a good team a good outfit uh, not just because I'm on the channel I'm on the channel obviously but um, I just think they're a very good outfit uh, but yeah I've been Connor Williams from the Toffee Blues thank you very much so Everton coming down, Brentford, the likelihood is that we're going, well, actually, we're not going to say the same because obviously Rico Henry isn't going to play. So we'll probably have a Hickey on the left and we'll probably have Rosliff on the right. But we're still going to have the same goalkeeper, which is Flecken. And uh, we didn't talk about it in the Newcastle section because to be quite honest with you, we just thought, let's take it out. And instead of looking at how Flecken played in the last game, which was probably a bit of a negative there because there was a couple of flux that listen 100% that took place let's just try and let's like project ourselves forward to see how he might play in this Everton game because I always believe that people learn from their mistakes and he made a few mistakes in that Everton game didn't he the uh the cog yeah I mean I think he, he was uh he he seemed to just lose his composure for like 10-15 minutes in the second half and he was involved in uh two of the quite contentious decisions both of which I thought were really difficult and and you know I did sympathize with the ref and with VAR because I think the penalty uh, it was uh, unclear whether uh, Gordon actually initiated contact it looked to me like he was doing his absolute best to uh, to, to get some kind of contact with Flecken but Flecken I thought could have done better to just remove himself from the situation. But to be fair, he was put in a really difficult position by Aaron Hickey, you know, and the, and the one a few minutes earlier was the uh, disallowed goal. And again, at the time I thought, what are you doing? But actually watching the replay looked as though perhaps he was held, uh, you know, so I think probably we shouldn't judge him too much on that. But, but the moment in the game that, troubled me was a few minutes before the uh, the goal was disallowed he came for a ball that was a ball that Raya would have caught all day long and would have then thrown it out and would be on the attack 
uh, and he punched it, and he punched it really weakly, and uh, and that seemed to set him off on a on a ten minute period where he just looked very uncomposed. He he made a good save in the first half, uh, and you know, and and I think you know we should cut him a bit of slack because he's been. Other than the uh, mix-up against Palace between him and Collins, I think he's surprised us. You know, we talked about the pre-season games that we saw, Bill, and, you know, he didn't inspire much confidence there. But the minute he put on the shirt for real in the Premier League, he's been excellent, I think, both his distribution and his shot-stopping and actually his command of the area as well. So... This was a big step backwards, but but I'm hoping that, to your point, he's going to learn from that. You know, he needs to try and hold on to the ball. Uh, <clears throat> he needs to communicate better, I think, with his defenders. But that's the kind of thing that can take a, a while to happen. Uh, but I'm hoping and expecting that he'll put on a better performance uh, on Saturday. Having said that, my concern is that with the back four having to move around a bit from what he's become relatively used to, that there may be some more communication issues. He's been used to having Rico, uh, certainly this season, as his best defender in front of him, and he's going to lose that that option and that connection uh, for Saturday. So it's such an important keeper. It's such an obvious thing to say, but it's you know if your keeper has a bad game then then it's pretty terminal really so we need him to uh restore some confidence and have a good game on saturday but from what i've seen so far he's certainly capable of that he's he looks to me like a good all-round keeper that's right i mean it, 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 it's... I mean, I think the Allard was going to say that he couldn't punch his way out of a paper bag, but I'm going to pull you up on that, Allard, because I think that he probably just about could. <laughs> Am I right? <laughs> yeah, he probably could do that. Um, but I, there's lots of things with Flecken, and we're, and we're still in a position where he's only played five or six you know, games for us. Um, I, I, let's be honest, if we go to Newcastle away last year, Raya probably had a worse game than Flecken. Um, certainly, it, it was no better. Uh, so you know, keepers have bad games. I, I, I think with Flecken, I'm a, a little bit concerned that I, I agree with most of what Cog said about the penalty. Um, it, there's a mix-up between him and Hickey. Similarly, as there was in the Palace game, there's a mix-up between him and Collins. And I don't know whether that's the fault with the defenders, whether there's, there's some nervousness with the keeper. I don't really know. But it felt like, although the two finished differently, they they were similar mix-ups in that. You know, they let they effectively let the ball go, I suppose, for the keeper. They tried to play the keeper in. So yeah. that, that I don't think is great. That we should, so we've seen that a couple of times. Um, the punching thing, I don't know. I, do you know what? I should have looked at the stats before I came on here to see whether goalkeepers in Europe do punch more. It feels like they do. Um, I, I, I think you have to think of Raya as not being a European goalkeeper because he joined Blackburn when he was 16 or something like that. So if that was in his game then, they'd probably manage to get it out of him. Albeit that when he came to us, I seem to remember him flapping a bit here and there. Uh, so we'll see more of that. I think I think what what I really noticed about Raya over the years is that they, they talk about it in cricket about having soft hands, and he just seems to have he just seems to have soft hands, and the ball doesn't bounce off. Do you know what I mean? And with Flecken, I'm, I'm, no, but with Flecken, it just feels like it's a bit more at the moment. He's not quite as calm and maybe as relaxed, and that and that's all part of it. 
um, and he just feels like he's not quite, it's, it's, it's not coming as naturally to him as it did to Raya. Um, and I, I think all we can do is like get behind the guy because it is certainly not going to help him to get on his back. That, that's for certain. And, and I know 95% of Brentford fans are great, um, but, but there is a small percent that are you know, already calling him out and blah, 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 blah. And, it, and that, for me, is all a bit boring after five or six games. Let's just, you know, let's just see. Because we haven't got, you know, you, know, you don't have any choices. It, the weird thing with him is that I was more worried about his feet. But he looks fine with his feet. It's just, it's, you know, it's the, it, it's the other bits that we'll, we'll you know, we'll, 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 we'll find out. Just give him some time. Um, he's coming to the team. He's coming to the, a new league that he's not played in before. It's going to take time to adjust. Yeah. I mean, and Everton, I mean... They're, they're not having a good time. I mean, you know, Connor from the Toffee Blues talked about that, you know, what, five games played, one point, goal difference minus seven. I mean, they played Arsenal the weekend. They lost 1-0. They they didn't have very much of the ball at all, you know, less than 30% possession, you know, XG 0.34. Arsenal, you know, not, not loads, 1.02, but, you know, they put the ball in the back of the net and they probably ground out a result there as well. I think the fear from Everton fans is, and there's always been a fear from that, is where is the goals going to be coming from? You know, they've been talking about strikers. Obviously, they're going to be talking about Neil Malpe, who's not going to be playing against them on Saturday because obviously that's part of the deal because we signed him from Everton, so he can't play against them. But, you know, that has been also the problem. But also, it's the way that they play. You know, they've got a manager in Deitch and he plays a particular type of way. And... uh <laughs> He, he probably plays a particular type of way with a particular type of team. And it worked for him at Burnley. We used to hate playing Burnley. We used to hate, I just hated it all the time because you knew that he'd always get a result against us. But it's not necessarily the same with uh, Everton, is it, the Allard? No, I mean, I, I, I think Deitch is trying to sort of stamp his authority on the team and... and and he hasn't really had a centre-forward, and, and, and normally, you know, he has big centre-forwards. Um, he's now signed Beto, or they've signed Beto, 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 uh, who looked quite handy, albeit he was playing, looked quite handy, albeit that he was playing against, um, it was Doncaster Rose in the Cup, and he came on, I thought, oh, this could change their season. And they've also got, you know, Calvert-Lewin as well, I suppose, that can play up top. It, it's just... You, you, I watched them against Arsenal and they just didn't offer much at all and I thought they might offer a bit more with better up front but 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 they didn't um, I think against us they'll probably be a bit more attacking because they're going to have to pick up some points somewhere and although I don't think you know I, I, I think they would like to think they could come to Brentford and certainly get a draw and that might be a bit annoying and a bit tedious and Pickford might spend a lot of the game line on the ball um, if ever, or if Everton are still in the game at any point, if you know, if we're not, if we're not um, leading, um, that could be a bit tedious. Right, we'll we'll see. But I think Daesh is there just to basically stop them getting relegated, um, and then they've got an opportunity at some point when they move into the new ground, if they get new ownership, to to literally rethink the club because it probably needs a rethink. And 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 the chances are that it might it might need a rethink in the. 
in the, in the championship because if they carry on doing what they're doing at the moment now, then you know, and I'm I'm not being negative because I've got a lot of good Everton mates, you know, Connor, you know, you know the all the all, you know all all the Everton crew that are out there. We're not being negative against you, but you know, it's been two seasons in a row, three, maybe even three seasons, maybe where you've been kind of scraping near the bottom and you've been trying to find a solution. But there's been so many things going on in and around the club now. A lot of fans are not happy with the with the management of the club, with things that are going on. So it makes it very 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 difficult. I mean, they haven't clipped. A clean sheet. I mean, you're talking about, you know, if they can ground out a draw, they haven't kept a clean sheet in. I think is it five or six matches? You know, quite, you know, quite a few games. So the, the chances are, oh, it's probably Brentford actually. They'll probably be nil all after all this. But the chances are that you know, you know, I, I would like to think that we're going to score and get a goal. And so, ever you know, and 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 we have to tighten up our defence as it is to try and keep Everton now. Coming about, I'm talking to you about the cog though. Talking about how we play this game. We're going to have to change our side around. Um, we could think pretty much um, players will be playing in the positions that we normally expect them to, but there'll be a few changes. The questions I've got to ask you, I think there's going to be three positions where we think there might be changes. Where do you think who's going to be left back, who's going to be right back, and who's going to be in that, as we call it, third midfield role? I would, I would expect, as we were saying earlier, Hickey to switch across to the left. I think Rozlev will come in at right back. I think we'll go 4-3-3. Uh, and then you bring Sharda back in on the left and probably kind of almost interchanging a bit with uh, Visa. Uh, and then I guess, I mean, I don't know what's happened to Damsgaard. He seems to have disappeared. I've not heard much about any injury news, but he certainly hasn't featured uh, recently. Josh, we know, is out. Uh, so they're two of our more attacking options. Uh, I, I still think the jury's out on uh, on Frank the Tank. Now I've got his name right. Uh, and he's arguably better coming on, bringing some energy with 20 minutes to go. I don't really trust him on the ball from the start, which leaves you with Jan Elk, really. And I, and I think, you know, he's not... I don't think he's been outstanding this season, but I think he's done a, a good job. And... We've looked so good at times this season. He's been part of that. <clears throat> uh, so, you know, and maybe that frees up Jensen, who's had a really good start to the season. So, yeah, I think probably it'd be, it'd be similar, but obviously you'd need to switch a, a couple of players around to deal with the Rico situation. And I, ha and I have to say, I think that, you know, looking at the Everton side, it is full of really average players you, you could probably exclude the goalkeeper and maybe maybe our old friend Tarki and Calvert-Lewin from that but there's not much else in that side and I, I think that Deitch is probably their their one hope of staying up but but to be honest I mean I, I, you know this this is the kind of game we've got to win but I think they're going to make it really difficult for us. I think, as the Allard said, there's going to be a lot of time wasting. God help us if we go a goal behind. Uh, uh, so it's, yeah, but it could be a very tricky game. But I think it's one that if we don't get three points, we should be really disappointed. Yeah. All right. So, I mean, you're expecting to get three points. So I'm going to ask you the question. Score prediction, please. The cog. One nil. To the Arsenal? <laughs> yeah. No, 1-0 B. 1-0 B. That was last week. <laughs> yeah, 1-0 B. Uh, okay, the Allard. Um, 
I, so I'm, I'm just going to offer up. I reckon I reckon I will play at right back rather than Ruslev. Um, that's my gut feeling. And I also worry about when you play playing Bumo, Sharder and Wiesa, who you got to come off the bench to freshen it up front. So I think at some point KLP is going to start a game and then you do have the option of bringing, say, Sharder on for the last 30 minutes. Not Maybe not this weekend, but I, we're going to go 4-3-3. But I just think that I, I reckon it'll be I rather than Roeslev at right back is my gut feel because that'll give you a little bit more height and strength as well. And I think Everton are quite physical. So, um, result-wise, um, I'm going to go 2-0 Brentford. I, I, I think an early goal is massive. I think you've got to score in the first 30 minutes um, because once they get a sniff of a draw, um, they're going to be all out for, the, for it. And, yeah, and Pickford will lie on the ball with that silly grin on his face. Mm. Up. Um, yeah. And they'll do that thing that, to be honest, we do as well, um, where... He puts the ball down. He pretends he's going to pass it to one of the centre-backs and then he waves them all forwards to waste another 30 minutes, um, 30 minutes, 30, 30 seconds or a minute or whatever. Um, and he'll get booked for time-wasting. That'll be my <laughs> predictions. Um, I, I, but, but don't underestimate Everton. I'm, this Beto guy, I, he, he's got something. And if they play him up front, just he's going to be a handful, I think. So, you know, they, they just might offer a bit more than they have done in recent times. Right, okay. And for me, I'm going to go straight. I'm going to go bang, straight in 3-0 to the mighty, mighty bees. So, fingers crossed, I'll, uh, I'll get my first prediction of the season right as we go. But listen... Thanks for everyone for listening. Thanks for the Everton fans for listening as well. Like I said to you, um, welcome down. Any pub in the area you can go to, there's no color. You can wear your colours. You can wear anything like that. You just behave yourselves. Have a drink with us. Everyone's really friendly. Have a bit of a laugh and uh, enjoy your day. We'll enjoy our day regardless. We're going to be early. I think we're going to go on the Ted Lasso run again this weekend, actually. We might go up to go to Richmond and do a little Richmond to Q walk and then uh, head to Q and then just do whatever from there. I'm, I'm quite looking forward to that, DLR. Are you? Yeah, yeah, I'll definitely join you for a little richmond start a little early early drink in richmond and then a and then a slow wander up towards the mighty i was going to say new griffin park yeah you've got you, you've got your greyhound scarf as well you know for the, the richmond fc you know all that kind of stuff you know just get behind the bar start doing a bit of chanting and that no yeah i can do that we can you know get the um teddy's a wanker thing going <laughs> which is all good so anyway listen this is besotted pride of west london podcast i'm billy grant and we've got the allard good night billy good day see you soon come on you bees come on you bees we got the cog you bees don't forget to subscribe on all good podcast channels buy us a beer besotted.com forward slash beer and saturday have a laugh go down there support the bees because we do whatever those we say come on you bees you bees you bees beat them toffees beat them toffees between your teeth sticky toffees apples Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximize your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. 
A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.